0: Well, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? You guys awake? How are we doing this morning? All right. Good deal. Well, hey, y'all. My name is Connor, and I am honored to be here with you today. I am the uh, Middletown campus pastor. Josh, our Mason campus pastor, is preaching for me in Middletown. Praise God for him. Uh, I got a text message last night from Stephen saying, hey, we better have a plan B for tomorrow morning because Becca is having a baby, and so praise God. Yeah, she had her beautiful baby girl this morning, and so uh, as a church family, would you join me in prayer um, as we, let's just lift up uh, Becca and the baby girl and and the Sam's family. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. For new life. Thank you for this beautiful baby girl. Um, God, we ask for the days, weeks, and months, and even years to come. We pray for strength and for energy and for peace for Becca um, and for the Sam's family, um, God, as we celebrate with, with them. And God, um, specifically for the beautiful baby girl, we, uh, we ask as a church family, God, would you Um, would you just shower your love and your favor and your grace on her all the days of her life and that she would trust in you with all of her heart and that she would lean not on her own understanding but in all of her ways, she would acknowledge you and God, you would make her path straight. And God, for our time together now in these next few moments, um, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive what you want us to receive as we deal with a difficult conversation, a beautiful conversation, a needed conversation today. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. I believe that what we're talking about today, what we're going to talk about, is one of the hardest but most needed conversations in our world today, period. And I also would bet that many of us in this room, including myself, Really need to check our hearts and lean into what God might be saying and how we can heal and how we can move forward. My hope today is to give you some tools to help you move forward, to help you move forward towards real freedom and real healing from any kind of pain or wrongdoing you've experienced from someone in your life. Today, I want to talk to you about forgiveness. And I'm really excited to talk to you about forgiveness today, not because it's easy to talk about, right, or, or it's fun to talk about, but because I know that what we're talking about today in forgiveness has the power through the Holy Spirit to massively impact a lot of our lives today, if we'll let it. You know, forgiveness was a big deal to Jesus. If you have your Bible, uh, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. In verse 14 and 15, if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. Um, the verses will be on the screen and I'll, I'll read it for you. It goes like this. Jesus said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But listen to the next part. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive forgive your sins. By show of hands, how many of you would say that forgiveness isn't always easy? Forgiveness isn't always easy, is it? I'm with you. Years ago, when I was starting to, uh, starting to work for a church and leading people in a, a very real and new way for me, um, I had friends and mentors tell me, hey, you should pursue Getting ordained. Um, ordination is a thing, it's a New Testament thing in the Bible, where someone who wants to give their lives to the local church, a desire to serve God and make disciples with their whole life, they go before a group of leaders and they're prayed over and they're sent out to do the work of God. And so uh, I knew this was a big deal. I didn't really ever think about it uh, until I started to pursue it. And months and months and months of being interviewed and writing out uh, answers to questions of why I wanted to be interviewed, they even interviewed my wife, Abby, as well. Uh, My ordination service the day finally arrived. And it was amazing. People literally traveled state lines to come support Abby and I, my wife's name is Abby, and I on that day. And there were friends and there were mentors and there were coworkers and family members. And there were probably a couple hundred people there. And when the service started, someone very close to me got up and they started the service. and they didn't mean to hurt me. That wasn't their intent. But they said things like, "I never thought we would be here," with Connor's learning hardships probably with his dyslexia, I'm just so surprised that we're here, is what they said. And in that moment, as you can imagine, I'm just sitting there, I'm so embarrassed in front of all these people who are looking forward to what God's going to do in Abby and I's life, and I, I didn't really know how embarrassed and how hurt I was until years later when I preached on forgiveness for the very first time. And I I always ask myself, before I preach a message, always, God, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for me? And for those of you who know me, I'm pretty laid back. Like, I don't generally hold a grudge, but when I was asking God if I needed to forgive, it became very clear to me that I had something on the inside of me, like, festering like a weed in a garden, and that needed to be picked and so how do we do that what do we do when someone hurts us do we get at the do we get the big old baseball bat and do what needs to be done in the name of the father son and holy spirit is that what we do i love this meme here on forgiveness forgiveness is between them and god and i just arrange the meeting right is that what we do Do we post a nasty comment on Facebook about that person and make them look really, really bad? Do we play the dreaded ignore game and hoping that the lack of our presence will just drive them so crazy that they'll just have to come and ask for forgiveness? As we look at and talk about forgiveness, I want to share a story with you that actually Jesus taught. And how to move forward with someone whenever they hurt you and, the, and what it means to forgive. It's in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. And it goes like this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times if you read through the life of Jesus in the Gospels, in the Bible, um, Peter was kind of a loud mouth. And uh, and Peter was trying to impress Jesus. Um, There was something back then called the old rabbinic. It was an old religious text. And um, it would say that you should forgive somebody three times. But if they wrong you the fourth time, then you, you shouldn't forgive them. You're off the hook. And so Peter did some math here, right? He says, okay, Three multiplied by two times one. Boom, baby, I nailed it. We're going to forgive them seven times. And Jesus responds, and he says, no, 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 77 times. And then Jesus follows it with a story to make a point. It starts in verse 23. It says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, other translations say talents, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, hide your kids, hide your wife, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And so this first servant owed the king 10,000 talents, And the best way to think about this is actually in terms of time. Uh, 10,000 talents would have been the equivalent to about 200,000 years worth of wages. Somebody say, oh, my word. (laughs) Like, there's no way that this dude is paying this debt back to the king. Like, this dude had too many credit cards with the king, right? Like, Like, the king was literally going to sell the servant his family, and all his possessions. And listen to the king's response in verse 26. It says, At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He couldn't possibly do that, remember. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. As Jesus is telling the story, I imagine the audience saying, What? Are you serious? 200,000 years worth of wages and he just forgave it? Just like that? You would think that the servant left being full of gratitude and generosity. But look what happens next in the story. In verse 28, it goes like this. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, servant number two, who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, just as the first servant did. And he said, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off the debt. So servant number one goes to servant number two and says, you got to pay me back, my man. And the Bible says that he, had, uh, he owed him 100 silver coins. This is about three months worth of labor. It's still a good amount of time, but nothing near 200,000 years worth of labor. And verse 31 says this, and when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in and said, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he had owed. In verse 34, the Greek word for, for jailer is actually torturer, And the, the key to this story, and Jesus concludes and lands the plane. This is the key in verse 35. Jesus says this, And this is how your heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. There's a couple of key takeaways from this story. And what it means for us in moving forward in forgiveness. Number one is this. Don't expect from others what you are unwilling to do yourself first. Likewise, or otherwise, you'll end up like this guy. Just sitting here, still waiting for forgiveness. (laughs) The first servant failed to pay back his debt. Like, don't know what kind of debt he was racking up, but man, he was racking up the debt. And y'all, this is a leadership principle. If you follow Jesus, then you are a leader, period. If you follow Jesus, you're a leader, you're a leader, you're a leader, and that means that we go first, especially when it comes to forgiveness. Some of you are waiting for an apology. Like, maybe you've been waiting For a long time. And and I I, I get it. But in my experience, later is always lethal. So don't wait. I told you about my my ordination devastation. (laughs) A couple of years later, um, I'm preaching on this very same principle that I'm talking to you about right now. And I felt like God put it on my heart to call the person who said that stuff about me forgive them and tell them, hey, I don't know if you even know this or not, but what you said was really hurtful to me. And I've been holding on to this for a long time, but I just want you to know that I forgive you. And I did. I jumped on the phone and I called. And y'all, to this day, our relationship is so much better because I felt like God was putting it on my heart to take the first step. And some of you Maybe you're the one who caused the pain. Like not the one who was wronged, but maybe you're the one who's in the wrong. And maybe it's time for you to go to that person and for you to ask for forgiveness. And I've had to do this too. I reached out. I didn't even even know the person's name, so I had to do some Facebook stalking and try to find the person and say, Hey, listen, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Take the first step. Take the first step. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You're the leader. You go first. Take the first step. Number two is this. Our sin debt to God is not possible to pay. In the story, Jesus said the debt of the servant to the king was 10,000 talents. This was a massive amount of money, and he couldn't possibly pay this debt. And this is like our sin debt to God. You and I have a sin debt to God. And I know maybe you're thinking, gosh, Connor, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't really sinned. I, I hear you, but here's the problem. From Mother Teresa to Hitler, according to Scripture, even if we mess up in the slightest, even if we have a little bit of mess and a little bit of junk, that causes this, this cosmic debt to God to begin, which we could not pay. Why? Because God is a perfect God and he cannot be with imperfection. But I'm here to tell you that there's good news. God didn't just leave us high and dry. He sent his own son Jesus to pay for our sin debt. By dying on a cross and raising from the dead, the king, King Jesus, came to this earth for you and for me and laid his life down. And now, Because of the good news of the gospel, we can be his people. He has paid the debt that we could never pay on our own. Number three is this. We forgive because he forgave us. Our forgiveness to others is motivated by God's forgiveness to us. In other words, Jesus says it like this, forgive as you have been forgiven. And I know, I know, I know, I know, this isn't easy. But let me read back to you what Jesus said. We read it at the beginning of our time together in Matthew chapter 6. This is what Jesus said. He said, if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not, will not, Forgive your sins. You see, for Jesus, forgiveness isn't optional. It's a command. It comes with the territory of following Jesus. Because you have received this forgiveness given by Jesus, how could we not extend that to others? I love the story of Louis Zamberini. Uh, He was an Olympic runner during the time of World War II, um, and he was called into duty, and he joined the Army Air Forces, um, and he would eventually be deployed to the Pacific area. And while on a search and rescue mission, his plane experienced some, some mechanical difficulties. And so his plane would crash, leaving only a few survivors in what was known as the Marshall Islands, which were occupied by enemy forces and in the, in the Japanese. And he would eventually be taken, and he would be brutally tortured. When Zamberini uh, tells the story, he draws back attention to one of his torturers. Uh, The guy's name was Matiatsu Watanabe. This guy had a nickname, and his nickname was The Bird. And The Bird was known for his brutality towards the prisoners so much so that he received war crimes for his violence after the war was over. And due to the bird's harshness and brutality towards Louis, it left Louis scared and scarred and broken in many ways. So much so that after the war ended and Louis returned back home, Zamborini sought some relief from a bunch of things, including alcohol, which left him more empty. A preacher named Billy Graham came to his town with a message of hope and forgiveness. And after hearing this gospel message of Jesus, Louis would eventually surrender his life to God. And shortly after, uh, God put it on his heart to forgive his torturers, including the bird. And so years later, he would go back to Japan to forgive his torturers, but the bird was actually in hiding from his war crimes. And so because of this, he wrote a letter to the bird, and he would share it years later. And I want to show you the video of Louis Zamborini reading his letter to the bird. Check this out.
1: When you went back to Japan, you you shared the gospel with some of the very guards that mistreated you, and you wanted to meet the bird, but you were told the bird was dead. He wasn't, but you didn't know that at the time. But you wrote him a letter. Do you have that letter with you? Yeah, I brought it with me. This is the letter that Louis wrote to the bird. You want me to read it? Would you (laughs) read it, please? (laughs) Okay. This is to Matsushiro Watanabe. As a result of my prisoner of war experience under your unwarranted and original punishment, my post-war life became a nightmare. It was not so much due to the pain and suffering as it was to the tension of stress and humiliation that caused me to hate with a vengeance. Under your discipline, my rights not only as a prisoner but also as a human being were stripped from me. It was a struggle to maintain enough dignity and hope to live under the war's end. The post-war nightmares caused my life to crumble, but thanks to a confrontation with God through the evangelist Billy Graham, I committed my life to Christ. Love replaced the hate I had for you, and Christ even said, forgive your enemies and pray for them. As you probably know, I returned to Japan in 1952 and was graciously allowed to address all the Japanese war criminals at Sugamo Prison. I asked them about you and was told that you probably had committed harakiri, which I was sad to hear. At that moment, like the others, I also forgave you, and now I would hope that you would also become a Christian. Amen. That's... a uh forgiveness
0: why how in the world after all that louis zamberini had went through maybe you're wondering for you personally right now after all that i've been through after all the hurt and the pain that they've put me through how in the world could i forgive The more we recognize and realize and come to know how much we have been forgiven by Jesus, the more convinced and convicted we will be to forgive others. Listen, y'all, God has forgiven us of so much. Therefore, we ought to forgive others as we have been forgiven. Number four is this. Harboring unforgiveness will always cost you something. In our story, Jesus told, there's something really fascinating that happens towards the end of the story. And In order to put someone in jail uh, for the purpose of paying a debt, you would have to pay the jailer yourself so that they could go and they could put, him, uh, put the person in prison. And so the first servant, servant number one in the story, had paid the jailer to take the second servant who owed him money to jail. So not only did servant number one with this massive amount of debt, not only did he not use that money to pay off his debt, he actually used it to try to imprison the other guy. And the same principle, the same thing applies to today. When we hold on to something that someone else did to us, we think that it might be imprisoning the person who wronged us. When in reality, it's actually costing us. I've met people who've been holding on to grudges for years. And it's so sad. Listen, y'all, don't hold on to, to someone else. Don't hold someone else captive in your mind. Because the person who's actually held captive is you. Not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person who wronged you to die from the drink that you drank. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. If I have to start singing the frozen song, I will. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop. How in the world are we supposed to do that? How do we let go? How do we move forward? For some of us, maybe it was a family member who was supposed to stand up for you, was supposed to fight for you and did the opposite. Maybe they said something hurtful, or they lied or they abandoned you. Some, for some of us, maybe it, it was a coworker who uh, under, undersold, under-delivered, wasn't fair, stole from us, stole a promotion. For some of us, maybe it was someone, maybe at church who abused or went a different direction or let you down, what do we do? We do two things. Number one is this. We pray for them. We pray for them. We pray for them. And um, maybe you're thinking right now, like, Connor, no way. I am not praying for the other person. They don't deserve it. Like, uh uh-uh, I am not doing that. Well, just hear me out. Start small. Even if it's like, God, that person. Like, you don't even have to say their name at the beginning, right? Like, I don't know, just pray that God would give them hemorrhoids or something. You know, heard, I'm just kidding. That would be bad. Don't do that. But maybe maybe, maybe you start out, you're like, God, just thank you for this person. And eventually, over time, at least in my experience, when I reached out to the person who had hurt me and harmed me, My prayers started out really short, really small, really simple, but they would eventually become more and more, God, thank you for this person. I ask that you would give them a good day today (laughs) to eventually lead to, God, my prayer today is that they would experience the forgiveness that only can be found through Jesus and that they would walk with you and that you would show them favor. You know, the situation might not change. They might still be a big old turd, (laughs) y'all. I can't promise that they will change, but what I can promise is that you will change. The second thing we do is this. We forgive them. We forgive them. To forgive means to release, to allow, to, to yield, to surrender. Listen, When we surrender and we release the person who wronged us, we do that because God has forgiven us. Now, listen, y'all, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and if I have a jar of cookies on the countertop and my four-year-old jumps up and gets a cookie or two, of course he's going to be forgiven. Of course, if he says, Daddy, I'm sorry, of course I'm going to forgive him, but I'm going to move the cookie jar, right? So please hear me out, like use wisdom, like guard your heart. Uh, Protect your heart. But maybe when it comes to forgiveness, maybe you don't need to forgive someone else. Maybe the person that you need to forgive is you. Sometimes I'll hear people say, Connor, you don't know what I've done. How could God ever forgive someone like me? And my response is always the same. I might not know what you have done, but I know what he's done, and I know that God's grace is always greater than our disgrace. Listen, your, your mistakes might feel like a pond with a whole bunch of yuck, but God's grace is like an ocean. We were on the beach last week, and um, I was telling my four-year-old, I picked up some sand, and I was like, buddy, the Bible says that you know the grains of sand, the Bible says that that's how many times that God has thought about you. Do you know that God's lo- God loves you? Do you know that that's how much God has thought about you as his sons and as his daughters? God's grace is always greater than our disgrace. And so I, I want to close out the service um, a little bit different than we normally would. Um, There's going to be a slide up here, and um, I'll read it for you. It says, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. And I don't know where you are with this thing on forgiveness. Maybe you're like, I'm out. I I don't even know where to start with this. I'm not sure what this means for me. Well, in just just a few moments, I'm going to ask that everybody would stand up. And I'd ask that we would all say it out loud together as a church family. And maybe you're like, man, Connor, I, I can't read that. I don't know. I'm asking you to say it in faith. Maybe as you say it, maybe that's a cry for help. God, would you help me? I need your help to forgive. Maybe... You're like, I didn't know that I had this sin debt to God and that's, what, that's the whole reason why Jesus came so that I could have forgiveness. I could be made new. I could, I could be freed from my sin. So maybe you reading this maybe the first time in your life that you acknowledge, man, God, I need your help. I need Jesus. I need the gospel. I want a relationship with you. So wherever you are at, in the spectrum with forgiveness, I ask that you go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up right now. Before we read it, let's read it on three, but before we do that, why don't we all just take a deep breath? All right, you guys ready? Y'all ready? All right, on three. One, two, three. Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we couldn't possibly pay for our mess, for our sin, for our brokenness, but thank you, thanks be to God (laughs) that you loved us so much, that your thoughts for us are like the Grains of sand on the beach. Like it just goes, it goes on and on and on and on. God, you love us and you sent your son Jesus to die for us, even when we didn't deserve it. Like the first servant in the story. Thank you, God. And God, maybe there's some of us in this room or watching online now who are like, man, I, I really need to forgive that person, or I, I need to have a phone call and I need to ask for forgiveness. God, this is hard. So would you help us Uh, Give us wisdom uh, to have necessary and hard conversations and beautiful conversations? God, would you move? God, would you help us to recognize and to realize how much we're really forgiven by you? And God, as we extend that forgiveness to others, we need your help. We can't do this on our own. So Holy Spirit, come. We love you. In Jesus' name.